Hi, and welcome to Belated Binge, Sons of Anarchy. I'm Zach, your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I nearly missed out on, like Sons of Anarchy, which I didn't watch till like four years after the last episode aired on TV, and that I've watched nearly every year since, except for last year, which I was saving for this podcast. Today we continue our binge of season one with episode three, Fun Town. And I'm just going to tell you up front now, this one's tough. Trigger warning for underage sexual assault. It's balanced in the episode with the comedic visual of bikers at a carnival, but it's still a very, very heavy subject matter. And you should be aware of that going in. The Belated Binge Podcast. Before we get into it, there will be spoilers. This series wrapped up in 2014. I'm trying not to give everything away, but if you haven't seen it by now, you're even later than I was. There will also be adult language and situations, especially with this show. Trigger warnings aplenty. Use earbuds as needed. Shout out to the bonus binge squad of Alex and Katie. For your own shout outs and access to bonus episodes, Join us on patreon.com slash belated binge. There's a link in this episode's show notes. I want to kick this off trying to introduce each episode as if it were a romantic comedy or uh, just a romance movie or whatever. Wish me luck on this one because it's a tough one. There's nothing more primal than a father's love. When the unthinkable happens, one father turns to an unlikely ally. What's more unlikely is seeing these outlaw allies on rides made for children. This ride will test everyone and remind us that we're all human. We're all worthy of love. And some things transcend status. Let's jump into episode three, Fun Town. And we open up on the club. And Gemma, she's hanging out with the club, just having fun at a carnival. Literally, yes, carnival. You big, burly bikers on tilt-a-whirls and such. And this is the lighthearted stuff that makes you really like these characters. The idea of their lifestyle, the club, family, all of that, and then seeing them riding kitty roller coaster rides. Like, Gemma's joking about jerking Clay off in the photo booth. It's all just super juvenile and fun. And then they run into Elliot and Karen and their daughter, Tristan. These are obviously not biker types. Uh, The girl wants to go on a ride that is apparently like her hundredth time of the day. And Jax offers up his tickets that apparently get you on the rides. And Karen is a stuck-up bitch. Fitting, isn't it? That joke wasn't a thing. Or that stigma wasn't a thing in like 2009 when this episode would have released. Or close to that. Maybe this was still 2008. I don't know. Time has no meaning. Uh, But Karen is a stuck up bitch. And they're apparently rich. And believe it or not, this isn't that far off of reality. There's like, there's a ton of people that will absolutely act like they're better than everyone else. And there's a shit ton of people who see bikers as just dirty, low-life type people. And this is kind of the culmination of those two ideas on screen. And now we're on a boat? With some kind of chemical barrels? Is that chibs? 
I don't know. We're gone again because we're back at the carnival. And the carny's like clown that's like talking shit to some child that's playing the game, making inappropriate jokes about the kid's parents. And then there's these big sketchy looking dudes that are mean mugging Jacks and the rest of the group. And, and Jacks misses a couple of times in this, uh, in this, it's the game where you take the baseball and you try to hit the bullseye. And if you hit the bullseye, then the clown falls into the water. That's the carnival game that Jax is trying to play. And he misses a couple of times. And the clown is emboldened to talk more shit to the bikers. So now he's being drowned in the pool. So I bet he wishes he didn't do that. Uh, And yeah, Juice comes after Clay did. To let them know that the Irish are here. And now it's nighttime. It's an odd jump. I don't really know how else to transition that. Um, but it's nighttime, and the club is including Half Sack, their prospect, in their like exchange of firearms that's happening right now. And the barrels start to make sense that we saw earlier for like 2.2 seconds. This is how they're housing the disassembled guns. And now they're meeting about, like, logistics. And we get to exposition mode, essentially, about the gun business and why they can't keep assembling them at the auto shop, which they're doing right now. Um, The idea that they can't do it for a couple months to avoid the issues they're going to obviously be having with supply and demand seems like they're writing out the obvious answer to ensure that this conflict stays with the plot. That's truly what it seems is happening here. And True IRA is not happy about it. Threatens to take their guns somewhere else. I think I would just assemble the guns in the clubhouse or in a storage unit or something. Every club member takes a handful home. I don't know. But for Clay to be so hell-bent on selling guns as the club's main source of income, he's not doing a whole lot of logical things to make sure that they keep that gun business afloat Uh, he's doing a lot more puffing his chest out with his suppliers and his customers and honestly i think it makes no sense we're gonna take a ride with clay as the president of sam crow uh, throughout this seven season journey clay's gonna be a main part of this and his decision making is gonna be a main part of this and Jax is obviously gonna be a main part of this and and I don't think I'm always going to see eye to eye with uh, the way Clay is handling certain things. And this is a very, very early one. Like I said, for somebody who's hell-bent on this being their thing, he's not doing a whole lot, it seems, to make sure it stays their thing. Back at the carnival, uh, we're about to get to the uncomfortable part of the episode. So, um, again, I said the trigger warning in the open. This is where... It's going to get hard, so I'm not really uh, sure. I, I Yeah, this is a first for me on this podcast, so here we go. Um, it's a tough bit to get through. Uh, the, the rich bitch Karen is frantically yelling for her daughter. Uh, Gemma gets involved, and all of a sudden, 
the rich don't seem to mind talking to the bikers anymore. And now we cut to Tristan, alone, clearly having been assaulted by somebody. And as a girl dad, this is obviously, for me, the hardest episode to cover on the podcast so far ever. And we're going to move to the next day. And we're at TM. Uh, And if you've forgotten, TM is Teller Morrow, the auto shop and the adjacent clubhouse for Sam Crow. Uh, And we are strategizing about how to get the money for the Irish that caused us such a problem the night before. Clay promises to pay sends Chibs to do some intel gathering on what's going on with the real IRA. And Chibs is Irish, so you kind of get the idea that there's going to be a connection there that we get to explore. And if you're getting that idea, and not just from me saying that out loud, you're correct. Um, But now Oswald shows up. And we're reminded he's rich. uh, And he wants to meet with Clay. And he talks about what happened to his daughter, which I'm certainly not going to recite. And... He offers to pay anything they want for the club to go find the guy who did it for him. And Clay mulls this over, and his decision is to turn down the money, and he offers to go find the guy on principle. And the principle is that nobody comes into Charming, assaults an innocent girl on Clay's watch, and gets away with it. And we get the sense that Sam Crow is kind of like the vigilante justice system for this small town. And now we cut to the table. Tig's not real happy about the side mission that Clay signed him up for, but Jax is all for it. In his mind, fuck this guy, he deserves to die, and Jax is right. Clay reiterates the vigilante angle, you know, talks about how, you know, when people need help in charming They don't go to the police department. They go to Sam Crow. And that's something that he, you know, takes seriously. And he does also admit that he might want to prove something to this Oswald guy. And at this point, everyone's in. And they're going to start with the Nords. Because the guys from the carnival earlier that were looking at Jack sideways apparently had some, like, Aryan ink on them. And they chalked them up to being part of the Nords crew, uh, who we met earlier uh, in the season with Darby. And they're the ones that have swastika tattoos and sell drugs. Everybody up to speed? Cool. Well, they seem like just the type that may need a, uh, um, a little bit investigating by our biker vigilantes. Now we're with Hale in a restaurant meeting that uh, apparently his dad and some other rich influential guy in town are are having. And the the news is spreading and they're talking about it. And apparently they know that Oswald has put Sam Crow on the case. Somehow they know this. I don't know how. Plot, I guess. Uh, This business guy is is all about not wanting Oswald to be working with the club because some real estate deal and expansion effort for Charming is on the line, I guess, with this decision because apparently every small town TV show also needs its rich people to want progress 
and our progress like protagonists to to not want progress and town expansion and drama okay hale's dad says that hale needs to find the rapist before the club can so that the town can prosper and hale's not really fallen for their fake concern about the girl or oswald or you know whether the club kills this guy they just want the money and good on hale for calling him out on it his own dad he's a douche and good for you hale you're also a douche but in this moment power to this particular douche and now hale is at tm as well starting an investigation on the club he wants to question everyone in sam crow and he knows damn good and well that they didn't do it but really what he's trying to do is stall them from finding the guy themselves because the one thing that the rich meeting was right about in Hale's mind is he as a police officer needs to be the one to arrest the culprit this culprit does not need to be murdered by the outlaw bikers instead And you can see where Hale's coming from here. He may be a douche, but he's right on this one, at least from the town's perspective. Um, But we root for the outlaw bikers on this show, so Hale's sucks. Anyway, I will say (laughs) kudos to Clay in this moment for the clever reverse Yo Mama joke. That one brought me a nice little giggle which is very welcome in this episode. And I think this is a clear through point for this episode. I think they did a good job. When you're going to tackle subject matter that is this difficult, this strongly like visceral in people's reaction to this kind of content and topic that you're going to do on TV, like, I think you have to balance it out. It can't just be an episode that's just so, so much of a downer that people are just, like, completely put off and they're out. Um, At least that's my opinion, and I think they did a good job trying to balance it with, with some comedic moments and even some, you know, tough guy moments that are coming in. And I I just think that they... I think that if you're going to do this type of a of a topic on an episode this is as good of a way to do it i think and get away with it as you can and you know that's probably why the writers on this show were so successful and i'm podcasting about it in my basement so i'm sure they care about my opinion and my kudos to them okay wendy's at the hospital signing some papers and tara's with her And Wendy was apparently signing a statement that she had a friend bring in the drugs and wasn't pointing the finger at the hospital nor Gemma or anything like that. So Wendy's finding some irony in the fact that both of these women are two of Jax Teller's, you know, ex-loves, I guess you could say. Um, I'm sure that the two of them haven't really interacted much before this uh if we if we take the course of events it seems that tara left town and then 
Jackson Wendy started their thing much later, so they probably didn't probably didn't interact all that much maybe when they were both younger and Jax was younger and like Jax and Tara were together maybe Wendy was around the club I don't know um but it it is we I'm at least getting the sense that the these two don't really have a rapport and that Wendy's kind of bringing this up as like yeah it is kind of ironic now look at us sitting here and um and she also admits to Tara that she she was the one that injected herself with those drugs. Um, I think Tara was potentially under the impression or assumption that Gemma actually did it. Um, but Wendy sets her straight on that. She's she's basically like, no, I sat here and stared at it, and then I pumped it right into my own vein. Um, and when Tara, you know, is like questioning her on why she would do that Wendy in a very like I think character like defining type of a moment says like if you don't understand why then we're you know not really alike or whatever it is uh that she says but when you break that down Wendy's saying she realized what she had done to her kid and what her addiction had the damage it had already done. And in her mind, she's not going to stop doing damage. And so she elected to use this as a way of removing herself from the equation. From what we can gather is a is a moment of, like, a mother's love, truly. A very twisted, fucked-up version of it. But a that's kind of what this is, and obviously she is still here, so it didn't quite go to plan. Um, but it's an interesting dichotomy in that scene. Uh, and then Tara gets a weird phone call and hangs up on the person. And I'm sure that that's not going to come back up. Ever. And Hale notices this and, and asks if she's okay. And, and we're setting up a small connection with them, too. You kind of get the sense that, like, these are all kids that have all been from this same small town. And they all kind of took different paths. You got Hale that went the law enforcement route. You got Jax that went the outlaw route. And you got Tara that went the big city route and still and ended up, like, you know, med school, became a, a doctor, a surgeon, whatever, like... Very successful, um, but still wound up finding her way back here. So it's kind of like three completely different paths and all still kind of in the same place in a lot of ways. Um, and and so it, it makes some sense that these two would have some sort of a rapport or at least familiarity with each other from growing up there. And, and uh, Hale goes in to try to question... Um, the parents, the the Oswalds, about their daughter because he's investigating who did this heinous crime, and Karen is not helping at all. Um, she's a bitch to bikers and cops alike, I guess. Uh, and Hale threatens Oswald not to do something that he's gonna regret. And this has got to be why it's hard to be a cop, right? You know, this is a this is a guy who, like I said earlier, as much as he's kind of a douche, 
he's trying to do right by this family and they're stonewalling him and I think this is it's at least represented often um, that this is a struggle that police officers go through regularly is you know trying to solve something that and bring bring justice to a situation where the people who are involved you know on the victim side and and everywhere else like just won't talk to them and, and like won't help um and you're and you're seeing this version of it right here uh and they put half sack on Hale's tail which is a fun thing to say out loud and what's even more fun is that he has to do it on a pit bike a little mini bike and it's hilarious again balancing the serious with some humor that the that was that is pretty prevalent in season 1 on this show uh, and i'm a fan of that so now we've got this stall tactic at tm and it's working but the bikers are over it and now tig is drugging the coffee that they're making for the cops that are supposed to be questioning them and they pass out immediately and now we got a popo on the flow joke and five stars jackson chibs meet up with half sack and <laughs> won't let half sack borrow one of their bikes and i <laughs> uh, i mean you get the you get the masculinity and and stuff but this is also kind of a thing like you know um i'm not saying that two dudes wouldn't ever double up on a motorcycle if the uh if it was necessary but in this type of a of a of like a club setting i I don't think you're gonna see it much uh it's kind of a you know kind of not a thing uh that they do and they're surely not gonna do it so that half sack isn't riding this mini bike half sack's a prospect (laughs) uh and a prospect is a gopher basically a prospect is just supposed to do grunt work and prove themselves to the club that they can be trusted in uh, in situations, they can handle situations, and they'll obey, essentially. Uh, so, yeah. Get on down the road there, half-sack, on your little mini-bike. <laughs> uh, and they start questioning the carny, but mm, let's call it a little bit more aggressively than Hale did. Uh, and he claims no responsibility on behalf of any of his guys. So, now what? I guess we keep investigating. But first, we gotta go to the hospital. And Tara lets Gemma know that Wendy's okay. And that's icy. And Darby's here too, I guess. Everyone just hangs out at the hospital. Because plot. And now we're back at TM. The way this show... I didn't really notice when just watching it as a fan uh, from that vantage point. But now actually having to like take notes on the cuts and the beats of the episode so that I can recount it here on the podcast for you. I didn't realize how quick we like jumped around and how often we jumped from setting to setting in, in different scenes. Like There's always a lot going on in these episodes. And they cut around a lot. Uh, and so, yeah, anyways, uh, we're back to TM and they're trying to find Darby. (laughs) Just check the hospital. That's where everybody is. Uh, and Clay gets a call from Gemma who apparently knows that they're trying to find 
Darby because plot and now you know they're they're headed for the hospital and juice takes vitamins that tig gives him i'm not sure that it's necessarily clear um what i think tig all tig was doing was saying like hey i'm about to go to the hospital i can't have drugs on me you know take these and like you know go put them somewhere sort of situation and juice is stupid uh and Tig didn't do him a lot of favors by calling them vitamins. Uh, but Juice doesn't know what these are. He knows they're not vitamins. And he's just like, eh, I'm going to take them and see what happens. So that's going to go well. Anyway, Jax is uh, is now questioning Unser about what Hale knows um, about the investigation uh, into the the uh, the assault. And the answer is nothing. Uh Unser is already regretting staying employed, uh, and he's he's trying. He does seem to be doing his best to try to like appease the club, but like also be a cop. He's still trying to like tell them, dude, you know, let this don't do something dumb, kind of thing. Um, from his spot in in with his badge still. Um, so now we're back at the hospital, and Gemma stops Darby as he's trying to leave. And she's just stalling him until Clay can get there. And he starts, like, weirdly hitting on her, which is strange. Uh, And it turns out she's pretty good at stalling people. Uh, And then Clay gets there and confronts him about the assault and as well as the partnership that we've uh, seen Darby establishing with Alvarez and the Mayans MC. And Darby does vouch for his guys, but not for a guy who didn't fit in with their crew. Um, And this is where Darby confronts Clay about the dead guy from his crew from that Mayan warehouse. uh, Boom! Ironically, I'm pretty sure that's the same one that had the dynamite in his ass crack. But anyway, uh, who's keeping score? in all of this uh, and I certainly hope you're not trying to keep a body count because it's gonna get large uh, so anyways Darby gives them a lead on the guy who didn't make it as a Nord and um, seems to fit the profile of being capable of this kind of thing um, and that he, he gives that up right before Hale can like walk up and, and question everybody uh, so now we're back at the clubhouse Tig is getting the guns, and no one can find Juice. Um, he's passed out from all the vitamins that he took. And it turns out he was supposed to be preparing the guns for the club, and he passed out while doing so. And that's going to be kind of important here. Now that we're in the woods, we've got our cuts off, so that tells us that we're about to do some shit that's very, very illegal, and we don't want it tied back to the club. And they found the house that this ex-Nord guy is supposed to be at, and none of the guns have clips. So that's not great. But we get action. We're beating guys with rifles, and and that's one way to do it. If it doesn't go bang, just hit them in the face with it. That's my motto. And they bust in the house during Bible study. Apparently, our ex-Nord found Jesus and isn't doing shitty things to kids anymore for three years. And that took a bit of a turn on our club, but we had to know that they weren't going to find him this quickly. So uh, they, the, the 
preacher or um, whatever title this individual, the, this man of the Lord is uh, is supposed to have, I don't I don't know what his thing is supposed to, if he's supposed to be like a like a preacher or a priest or you know what title he's actually supposed to have um i don't know that it's necessarily uh important for our purposes at this moment uh he is trying to convince the members of the club that uh their transgressions can be forgiven if they find the lord and uh clay gets a pretty funny line in there and says you know my my transgressions are all i got left and that's I think that's a pretty solid line. But then, you know, then they do their, you know, silliness. Because, uh, again, this is a, a masculinity show about outlaws, and and sometimes they just do silly shit. And now we're back at the hospital, and we have a conversation between Hale and Tara again, kind of continuing this little connection that they, they've started to establish. And Tara agrees to keep Karen busy for a little while so that Hale can try to question the daughter. Um, and Tara also asks for a favor in return, wants to know what, if Hale can tell her whether her restraining order from another city is still valid now that she's in Charming. And she tries to play this off as like no big deal and she won't give Hale the name of the person, but Hale's, you know, Hale's picking up what she's putting down as far as like she's more concerned about this than she's trying to appear and now we're still in the hospital and we cut to Gemma who's dropping flowers off to Wendy and really she's just making sure that Wendy didn't narc her out about the heroin um, and she's really intimidating about it and she's like all about her family um, calls Wendy a baby killer and it's this whole thing's pretty fucked up uh, but that's pretty much Gemma. She is chaos, essentially. Uh, And as she's like, you know, as as that scene's coming to an end, we see that Karen caught Hale in the act of questioning her daughter, and she is not happy about it. And Gemma overhears this, obviously. And now we are back at the clubhouse, and Clay is pissed at Juice for taking the drugs and passing out and not doing his job. So that's going to be a, a a thing that's going to, well, that's just going to be funny is all I'm going to say. Now, Gemma is reading to Abel back at the hospital and Jack stops by. Uh, he does defend Wendy to his mom, which is, again, another, another, I think, tick in the positive column for the Jack's character. Because like I said in previous episodes, this guy clearly... I mean, this whole show is toxic masculinity. He has tendencies to react to things emotionally and to express himself violently, and yet he's still been able to be empathetic towards Wendy, who is his ex-wife. I mean, how many how many ex-wives and husbands and ex-lovers have way less of a reason to hate each other and still manage to hate each other and that's not what he's you know, that's not the stance he has on Wendy he doesn't even you know he's he's and he's not and he's not for Gemma shitting all over her either um and Oswald walks in 
and he's he's in spiraling mode that you can only imagine is completely natural for a father in his position and and Jax has nothing to go on for finding the the guy who's guilty of this awful thing that happened so he, he's trying to ask for some more information from the girl um like can she tell us anything that can give us something to try to tr- track down and Gemma overhears this obviously so now Gemma stops in to see the to see the girl Tristan um and she stops her from texting her mom somehow like this girl has basically been told by her mom text me if anyone tries to talk to you and I'm not here and Gemma's just like oh no it's okay we're friends and that's enough that's all it takes apparently uh and and it turns out <laughs> as chaotic and violent as Gemma is towards uh people who are not children she's actually pretty good at this whole mom thing and she's good at telling Karen how to be better at the whole mom thing uh, and she's actually got some good points too and so does Karen like she just wants to protect her child from the backlash of this crime becoming public and Gemma convinces her that the secret is actually going to be far worse for Tristan to hold on to for her entire life than if other people know what happened and she's not you know alone in that knowledge and of course, Gemma goes straight to Jax. Uh, it was a carny guy, fat, dressed like a clown, and Jax is on it. And Hale sees him leaving, knows Jax has a lead, and he also has a flat tire. Thanks to a strategically placed blade. Wonder how that got there. I don't know. I don't know, Ossifer. I don't know how my knife just slipped, fell, and went straight into your tire. Anyway, Sam Crow's headed to the carnival for some justice, and it is a big-ass fight. And it's like it's like the two knew this is exactly what was going to happen, and they had prearranged this meeting to just show up right here so that they could, you know, get some scars on their knuckles, for lack of a better way to put it. And our biker friends kick the shit out of these carny guys and apparently half sack is a boxer and tig is mike tyson and if you don't understand that reference what i mean is biting a guy's ear off you know that was in the script for a reason clay's hand hurts after he punches somebody that's going to be important you should probably be aware of the hurting hands um and jack's is a young testosterone-filled wild man screaming and shit with all of this, and it's the exact kind of scene that you want in a show like this. <laughs> Our badass bikers beating the shit out of the bad guys. It's gold. And now the cops are questioning the carnies who say nothing happened, and they won't give up their clown. Well, Sam Crow has him in the woods, and here comes Oswald. Oswald is literally about to cut the balls off this guy. Yes, that's a real thing. And Oswald can't do it. And he apologizes to the club. Like, they should care that he's not a savage. Uh, and, And Clay is. Chops dude's nuts right off and lets him bleed out. And that is the definition of a savage. Also... 
fucked up. Jax isn't a fan of all of this. And he basically says, like, what the fuck are we doing here, Clay? And Clay gives us some exposition and explains his thought process. That they need Oswald's prints on the clamp things that were just used in this manner. And they need them as leverage to stop old white money from taking over Charming and pushing Sam Crow out. And it's crazy how so many good shows can take the same trope of stop progress from killing our thing and make it work so well within its own context. Uh, And now Jax is reading his dad's book again on the roof and we get another voiceover, Lessons from the Grave from John Teller. And you're starting to sense that there's a theme of that in this show. And it's kind of a cool, you know, it's just a cool tie-in. And now some guy named Cone, who is a cop of some sort, and has asked and received for like background on the club and Tara from Charming. This is the dude who called Tara. This is the dude she has a restraining order against. This is going to get crazy. <laughs> That's all I got to say. And Jack stops in at the hospital to see Wendy, and he's reassuring... He even takes the blame for what happened to Abel. And this is what I meant earlier when I talked about his his character who could be reacting from anger, choosing to go the other way. He's reacting from empathy, and he's, he's taking the high road. This is taking the high road. Uh, he takes her in to see Abel. She breaks down with how small he is, and this is just kind of kind of fucking crushing to watch. And, and it's incredible acting as well. Uh, and, and, and Jax is cool and supportive in this moment of Wendy. And then Hale wakes Juice up <laughs> outside in like a bush. And he's wearing a sign that I can't read out loud in 2023. And he's in a diaper. And the sign is stapled to his chest. And this scene is short. It's sweet. And it's great. And the male person has a bag addressed to Oswald, which is the balls. So that's a thing. They're going through the United States Postal Service. Just a bag of balls. Wow. I never thought that I'd say that sentence out loud for any reason. Any reason at all. But here we are. And we're ending with this cone guy showing up and telling Hale he's with the ATF from Chicago and he's claiming jurisdiction on a weapons case and investigating Sam Crow. Hale is stoked to have him. And he won't be very soon. And that's Fun Town. Obviously not fun, really. Uh, of an episode, but enough lightheartedness to kind of balance out that obviously horrible main plot that we were uh, that we were tracking down. Um, you know, and, and like I was kind of alluding to earlier, and what I've said before a, a bit is this: this show was pushing boundaries from the beginning. Uh, it's going to have some episodes that are have some really tough content, and it's going to touch on some really difficult things to talk about. Uh, but they did do it really well, in my opinion. It was very edgy. Uh, it wasn't appropriate. Uh, it still isn't in a lot of ways. And 2023 does not look fondly on some of the humor or language in this show. Um, but it's crazy how a show about small-town bikers was able to 
broach just such harsh and deep topics and be so wildly successful as a TV show. And I personally, I love the dichotomy of these early episodes. There's just enough humor and camaraderie to balance out the seriousness. Whether it's something nearly as as um, as serious as as what we just talked about, but there's there's enough of that comedy to balance out the seriousness. There's enough testosterone fueled like fighting scenes to balance out the the true violence, and there's just enough heart to balance out the darkness. It's a really well crafted tv series it just is and i love jackson this episode too he's an outlaw with a conscience at this point and and he's starting to see a bigger picture he's concerned about the direction of the club he's still fully capable of beating ass and making brash decisions of a young man in this moment but he has balance too and he has the ability to internalize the situation of his own son and comfort Wendy and take some of her burden onto himself. He he didn't stick her with a needle while she was pregnant, but he knows he didn't do his part to support her and make sure that she didn't do it either. Uh, and he still could hate her. He could kill her. And it would still fall right within his character to do that, but he doesn't. He supports her, he helps her, and it's still in character. It's just a really, really good character um, particularly early on with the way that we see him and and I almost wonder too how much of this has to do with the book that he found of his dad's and we know he's reading it like all the time we only catch glimpses of it because how boring would a fucking tv show be of a dude just sitting there reading for like hours that'd be fun to watch riveting television um but i do wonder i i would really like to see i mean i don't i don't know how you would ever do this but i would really really enjoy seeing some glimpses and maybe some flashbacks somehow of like Jax as a young man and like in the pre uh soa series version of Jax a little bit to see did he have did he have the ability yet to see this big picture and and have this balance and duality or is this something like I said that he's kind of been developing since he started reading his dad's book um and I almost wonder if you could do that in a sequel series like um I don't want to give away too much of how this particular uh, series ends obviously because we just started it and I said I'd keep I mean there's gonna be some spoilers in here but I don't want to spoil like literally the ending of season seven for you because like what the fuck would be the point of watching it if you haven't seen it before at that point um aside from getting from a to b is badass but sure uh anyways uh I like we have Abel here right so there's a a a possibility that you could imagine a sequel series that could stem around like Abel, you know, the the next generation from Jax. Uh, and through that, maybe you could do some flashbacks of like how Jax was at the certain ages that Abel is, how he reacted to certain things. Um, if you were going to tie it to the club, you know, with Abel, maybe show like Jax's early days in the club. Like, what was he like as a prospect? Did he prospect? Like, is that a thing that you have to do when you're 
father is the founding president and your stepdad is the sitting president? Like, do you have to prospect? I don't know. I I would guess he did. Maybe he didn't have it quite as bad. Maybe he had it worse. I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Um, but it might be cool if you to see it through that lens, maybe. Um I don't know, kind of cool. Anyways, uh, before we get out of here, we got to do one more thing. Uh, we're going to rewrite SOA, one small change to each episode at a time. I pose a question. You tell me what impact it would have on the episode and the wider story. For this episode, what if Hale had successfully found the Predator instead of the club? Let's see what that does to our story. I'll share this question on social media. It'll be a uh, short form video on like uh, TikTok and Instagram. Uh, I'll also pose it in like written form uh, across some across social. You basically just whatever social you're using at belated binge is where you can find uh, the the questions that I pose as well as everything else that I'm posting about these shows and these binges. Uh, there's also an exclusive Facebook group for listeners of the podcast that I would love it if you would join. Uh, there's a link to that in the show notes. Um, the best responses are going to be included in a future episode of the podcast. So give me your best fanfic, essentially. If you enjoyed this episode, Rebinging Sons of Anarchy, give me a follow, leave a review, um, please, uh, on Apple podcasts, that would be great. Uh, I'm really trying to, uh, trying to grow Apple podcasts because that's a place that I've not been able to gain any traction with this podcast so far, essentially. Uh, and I think that could be a really, um, really good key to, uh, to, to getting some, uh, to, to getting, you know, getting this, getting this podcast, uh, some growth. So if you could help by leaving a five-star review and saying something nice on Apple Podcasts, even if that's not the one you're listening on, I would truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, I'd also welcome you to check out the other binges that are taking place, The Office and Harry Potter. Um, They're all right here on this same feed, and you can visit the website, belatedbinge.com, to find links to all of the things, as well as Patreon. Um, And you can use the voicemail feature on the website, too, if you want to share your thoughts and have it played on the show, obviously, um, depending on what you say, uh, uh, there, there's, you know, all of that, um, uh, and, and the, the central hub that you can find it all is the website, bladedbinge.com. Thank you so much for listening. And remember life is short Buy the motorcycle. And when you do wear a helmet, dress for the slide, not the ride and make sure you're taking belated binge sons of anarchy along for that ride.